You're listening to Help, I'm a Children's Pastor, Episode 1. How you doing out there, folks? This is James Kennison, and I'm the host here of Help, I'm a Children's Pastor. We're focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. This is episode one of a brand new show brought to you the week of November 6, 2010. And again, I'm your host, James Kennison. And when I say this is a new show, it is, but it's not. It's a new rebranding slash spinoff of a show I've been doing for the last two and a half years called Children's Ministry Monthly, formerly found at cmmonthly.com. We've renamed it, and uh, we're changing up some of the formatting and stuff to expand and hopefully uh, reach more children's ministers. This is a show that focuses on the needs of everyday children's ministers, folks that are just starting out or folks that have been in it for a while but still are not afraid to admit that they need all the help they can get. Children's ministry, in my opinion, is one of the hardest jobs in the church other than the senior pastor. And um, it's it's the one that can drain you the most and take the most from you. And that's because it's one of the most important jobs and we do the most. And so uh, I created the show with the intention of helping the folks that a lot of other, I guess, children's ministry resources don't seem to reach. Okay. Not, not a slam on them, but there's a lot of leadership stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff for up and coming big churches and things like that, where the money is and where, where there's influence and stuff. But for what about the guy who just has 30 kids or, um, you know, less than a hundred kids or the young lady that, that, or maybe the old lady that does Sunday school and wants to know, how can I, you know, get my children's ministry where it's supposed to be. How, how do I deal with discipline issues? How do I deal with uh, needing volunteers and, and uh, sharing spaces with other ministries? All the different problems that small and middle-sized churches face. That's where my passion is. This is where my heart is. And that's what help I'm a children's pastor is going to be about. Um, real quick, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Uh, for those of you who have been listening since the early days, of course, You'll go to, um, you can still go to seeamonthly.com and it will forward you to help I'm a children's pastor.com. But the, uh, the, the URL has changed and it is that help I'm a children's pastor.com. No, uh, spaces, no hyphens or, or, uh, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So you want to make sure that you, uh, change and update your links. Now in your, uh, in your iTunes, you shouldn't have to change anything. Your RSS, your RSS feeds, uh, Google, whatever, however you get the show that hasn't changed. Just simply the URL has changed. So if you've linked us, then you'll want to change. But, um, it, it, you know, your iTunes, um, if you've received the podcast by email or if, uh, you go to the website directly, uh, you shouldn't have a problem. So there you go. Brand new show. Um, since we've taken the monthly out of it, uh, it's been a while now that I've, I've, I started the show originally wanting to just keep it simple, do a one hour, one and a half hour show per month. That way I could do it, but I wouldn't have to come up with content. I've, I've recently found I really want to do it more than once a month. I don't know that I want to do it weekly. So what I'm planning right now is an every other week format. Every two weeks, we're going to do a half hour show. That way we get more content out. Um, actually it's the same amount of content, but we have the option of, of interacting with you. When you email me a question or comment or tip, you don't have to wait a month to hear it. You can sit there and get it within a couple of weeks. And I think that'd be better. Uh, so 
twice a month, half hour format right there at helpomachildrenspastor.com. So tell your friends and uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. Be awesome. I uh, want to tell you real quick, too, about resources that we have available. It's it's a uh, program, it's a video story that I created last year for Christmas called The Very Last Room. And the video is available on my YouTube channel. Uh, the link will be in the show notes at helpomachildrenspastor.com, uh, episode one. But it's called The Very Last Room. It's on YouTube. And um, if you want to use it, I want to I want to let you use it. Um, of course, if you'd like to donate, you know, to the show, that would be awesome. I'd love to get, uh, you know, a chance to, to you, you to help me out with the hosting costs and things like that. A suggested donation of $5 via PayPal would be awesome. But, uh, for that $5 or for free, I'm not in charge anything is, uh, I'll send you a link to that video and you can, um, or I can even send you the video itself. And I'd love for you to be able to use that. It's the story. Imagine if you were the family specifically a young boy in the family uh, that took the very, very last room in Bethlehem right before uh, Jesus's mom and dad showed up. Okay. So that's the premise. Um, and go, go check it out. And if you like it, um, I can send you the audio file alone. I can see the video or I can send you the slides and you can tell the story yourself. Uh, maybe you have a, uh, you know, Christmas Eve service, candlelight service or whatever. You can read the story yourself and play uh, the, the you know, just use a slideshow for the background. So if that sounds cool to you, check it out at um, helpomachildrenspastor.com, episode one. Um, I want to tell you about a show I do with my daughter. It's called Podcast Kid. It's really cool. You need to check it out. You need to tell your friends and, and your children's people and your parents about it, if you would. That'd be awesome. It's a podcast that my daughter and I do. She's five years old. Her name's Jenna. And every show deals with some sort of issue that kids go through. And it's not hard-hitting. It's not heavy. It's really light. Uh, Probably the heaviest thing we've ever dealt with was internet security, safety rather, and uh, stress. The rest of it, we talk about... Um, uh, you know, haircuts and and dentist visits and and all this kind of stuff. Now, every one of them has a moral. Like we talked about playgrounds and we end up talking about how you're supposed to act on a playground. Da, 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 da. We've talked about strangers. We talk about taking turns and being safe and all these different things. We even talk about Halloween and, and how you stay with your parents if you trick or treat and you don't eat candy without asking them first and, and all these kind of things. So it's really, really fun for kids, but I think it's really got a lot of stuff packed in there. There's also uh, a character called Jojo the Clown that tells stories. And uh, there's always a song that's custom written for the theme. So check it out at podcastkid.com. Okay. I also want to tell you real quick before we get into our main topic about a handmade paper puppet that I created. And you can see that at helpimachildrenspastor.com. I'll link it in the show notes as well. But uh, I made a paper rod puppet out of nothing but office supplies. And I... I don't know. I, I needed a, a character and I didn't want to go out and buy a little tiny puppet for one time use. And so I ended up making this little guy out of, uh, I actually print, drew him in, in Photoshop, printed him out on, on cardstock, cut him out, stuck him together with tongue depressors. Um, uh, I, I had a pair of scissors and uh, some super glue and a little tiny bit of a rubber band. And I was able to create a full blown uh, two-dimensional rod puppet that w- that works really well. I've got uh, a PDF that you can download and print out, and uh, I've got a video laying out the instructions, some basic rudimentary instructions on how I assembled it. 
I've since created another one, another character, and uh, I'm using them. I'm using them when I do preschool chapels and uh, and even with elementary school students, and they love it, and they don't care that I'm standing there making it talk. I even draw attention to that. You know, hey, why is Daniel talking while my mouth is moving? And I'm like, I don't know. Just let's not worry about that. So check that out again at uh, help. I'm a children's pastor. Um, dot com. Okay. Uh, today's topic. I should have mentioned it before I got into all that. To you know, just for future reference, I will. But we're going to be dealing, we're talking about how how to deal with overprotective parents. Now, this is an odd topic to start a new show uh, with. But if you if this is new to you, then go back into the archives uh, and listen to the CM Monthly shows. Um, there's ones on discipline and dealing with parents, and there's some articles and things like that. But really, I, lately, I've found that for new children's pastors, the the one thing that can take the fun and the energy and the drive out of you the fastest, and I hate to say it because it doesn't seem it should be this way, but it's your parents. It's your parents. It's the parent, not your personal parents, your kids' parents, your pastor. You know, some of you struggle with pastors that aren't that supportive, but even on his worst day, you're there because he at least wants babysitting, right? Uh, so he's going to give you some, you know, he's giving you a room. He's he's trusting you with the, with the kids in his church. So, you know, the devil can tell you whatever, but there's still something there. But parents have the ability to make you feel the best or the worst about what you do. And I've seen it now as a, as a, as a new, I've been doing children's ministry for almost 10 years, but I've recently, you know, I've only been at this position for one year and I'm telling you, um, you know, the first time I ran into some parents, that was the most, it was the most devastating thing that I've ever dealt with. And it's funny because majority of our, of our uh, parents have been great. But there was just a few of them, and you know the type, that their kids are are not great behavior-wise. But you meet the parents, and then you understand why. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And these parents that, whose kids do no wrong, and they will defend their children against you. So I just want to help you and, and take some things that I've learned, because as great as I thought I was at disciplining children— and keeping them in line and, and being able to, you know, help them. Um, as I'm opening my ministry and expanding and being able to include parents, I found that it is a lot of trouble. And I know why so many of my peers try to keep parents away from what they're doing in children's ministry. They don't want to include parents. They keep, I know they, they keep the doors locked. And if, if altar call goes late, they say, parents stay on the hallway. I don't want that. I want parents involved. I tell my parents if we're doing an altar call and, and, and they come in, come down here and join with your kids and pray with them and, and all this kind of stuff. That's, you know, I'm not the primary spiritual influence on their life. God has put that job on the parents. But I understand because uh, why people would want to circumvent that because it's simple and easy because parents are a hot mess sometimes. They're, like I said, they're the greatest support or the, or the hardest things you'll deal with. So let me tell you a few stories. Some of the first parents that I dealt with, I'm not going to name any names or anything, but were um, some older kids' parents, okay? I had a situation where I'd made some kids, uh, you know, junior leaders. They weren't supposed to be in kids' ministry. We were in the process of moving them on, 
But uh, in order to do that, I, I gave them all a chance to be leaders to see if, you know, they could at least stay in that capacity. And uh, one young man decided he wanted to cuss out the other, the, the female girls, the female girls, it's compared to the male girls, but the females, uh, the other girls his age and uh, call them names. And uh, so he was reprimanded and, and, and uh, told on, but you know, to his mom and mom, you know, I, I called and, and I made the phone call myself and she, she received it. She couldn't believe it. But then later she says, okay, we've got to have a meeting about this. And it was obvious to me um, that she had heard a different story because she told me, she says, you know, I, I just need to get you and him together and we need to hash this out. And this was my first, this was going to be my first big confrontation. Now, luckily I've been around the block a few times. I kind of knew what I was getting into because I've seen these type of people. Now I will say that I've never dealt with them properly until this moment. And that's why we're doing this, this topic before when I'd met with the parent whose children did no wrong, I would try to plead my case and try to convince them that the child was lying. I would try to deal with this issue uh, and try to help the parent to realize what I knew was right and and what I knew was wrong. And what was wrong was that they should take my side over their kid. Why would I make something up about their child? And I would get all hung up in what was right and wrong about it, and I wouldn't really deal with the issue. I learned a little bit since then. So when the, when this meeting was set up, I told my wife, I said, this is the way it's going to go down. She's going to, she's basically going to want us, me and him to, she's going to hold court and I'm going to present my case. He's going to present his, and then she's going to weigh and balance what's right and wrong. But she's already decided that her child is innocent. So anything I say is going to come across as attacking. So guess what? I'm not playing that game. Here's what it's going to be. I am going to flatly put that to rest immediately the second it starts. And uh, I'm going to tell them what he did. And I'm going to tell them what needs to change. And then I'm going to lay down the law about uh, if it doesn't change, this is what happens. And if it does, this is what happens. And so obviously it takes it takes a lot of, not that I say I have guts, but I did. I had, I had to get some guts, whatever that is. Well, however you get that, I had to get some. And so, you know, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but, but that's exactly what happened. Um, I, it was her meeting. So she comes and he's there and I'm there and uh, we go to the side and she's looking at me and I said, well, you, you called this meeting. What, what was your, what was the thing? What do you, you know, what do you want to do? Well, I just wanted to get us together and talk about this and figure out what happened. And, um, and I says, oh, well, I've already told you my side. So, so I refused to play the game. She, well, she looks at him. Well, what, what happened? Well, you know, I might've said the N word or the S word, but I didn't cuss and I didn't. And I just stopped him right there. And I looked at him. I ignored her completely. And I said, look, this is not a court. I, this is not a game where I'm going to say you did. And you're going to say you didn't. This is what you did. You said this, 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 and this. I know that you did this. And if you can own up to it, great. If you can say you're sorry and apologize to the people that you said it to, awesome. 
Because you know what? It's not really that you did it. It's that you're saying you didn't that really bothers me at this point anyway. And what men do, they can do almost anything they want. But the sign of a real man is when they own up to what they did, they apologize, they turn from it, and they change. So what's it going to be? Are you going to stay a child that your mom has to come to your rescue? Are you going to stand up and be a man and admit that you did this? Mom was livid. You could tell. She was chomping at the bit, wanting to interrupt me. But there was some part of her single parent momness that said, you know what? This is what he needs. Because that's what men bring to the table. Okay? At the end of the day, boys, I got a two-year-old. They need to be slapped upside the head once in a while in, a lo- in Christian love. You know what I mean? So uh, she was wanting to defend him. And oh my gosh, she wanted to change it. Because I understand the heart of a mom. I do. But there is such a thing as being over-nurtured. And so she looks at him and she goes, is this true? Did you do these things? And the most amazing moment in my children's ministry history occurred. He lowered his eyes and he said, yes, I did. I did it all. You did it all because I'd even mentioned I'd saved some things <laughs> that I didn't tell her on the phone. So, I, you know, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. That that he had done, but I had mentioned. And so she was, you know, not only she wasn't prepared to defend him against everything that he had done, I guess. So I, I maybe I was a little sneaky, but you know what? Daggum. I think it, it worked out pretty good. So judge the, the fruit, not the tree, right? So did you do all of this? Yes. Yes, I did. And and so um, some amazing things happened right there because I stood my ground and I I told them simply was it what was expected. And I didn't play the game. And I was honest. And I, I stood my ground. And I, I, I acted basically like a teacher. You know, a teacher and a pastor should act. Uh, the boy grew a little bit. I told him, I says, wow, I did. I said, wow, you know what? You just matured right there. Mom, you should actually be proud of him. She was, she kind of missed the point. She was devastated. And I think she was embarrassed because she'd come ready to defend him. And now she couldn't. And she had, you know, made her point, her side of things very obvious. And now she had to back up. So I think she was mad at him a little bit because she she couldn't stand her ground like she'd wanted to. And she kind of missed the point because he did. He grew up for a minute there for a bit. And uh, and he and I, we're good. We're good. Uh, so there you go. There's, there's So, you know, there's no real bullet points on this as far as tips go. It's basically a story. And if I had to bulletize it, I would say don't, with these parents, don't play their game. You, it's your children's ministry. You know, it's, they, they're not in there helping. They don't understand. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to know what side the belligerent parent is on. They're going to be on the side of their child. And half the time, if you've got a lying child, like a flat out ball face lying child, it's because their mom is a liar. Okay. If you've got a kid that can't control himself and has authority issues, it's because mom or dad has authority issues. There's typically a reason why parents are defensive. It's because they're defending themselves and they know there's their lacks in some areas. And so when you say, I need Billy to straighten up here, is there anything you can do to help? And they give you tons of excuses. It's because either a, they legitimately need help, which all of them do. All parents need help. Amen. Come on. Even us who are perfect parents, they need help. Uh, 
or uh, so they all need help, but very few will admit it. There's ones that will, but most of them will be just defensive because they don't they don't want to change. They know that they would have to change. They can't discipline their child because they'll be hypocritical. Don't lie. Don't lie, little but buddy. But mom, you lie. I'm doing what you, what I've seen you do. So there you go. So the only thing I found in that is not trying to change the morals of the parent, not trying to convince them that I'm right and the child is wrong because that puts you in a position of being an attacker the best way and the way they're used to hearing it from parents, I mean, sorry, from teachers at their school and things like that is here's the expected behavior. Here's how they transgressed against it. And here is what needs to change. And then here is what's going to happen if it doesn't. Now, in future podcasts, uh, we'll go back and talk about discipline and my theories on it and all that. If you want to go back in the archives, I think episode two was one called Discipline. It is by far one of the most downloaded podcasts I have, and we go through all of that. Then I have a mini-series on discipline as well. But right now, we're talking really about disciplining parents, and it's up to you what the rules are after that. But I'm just telling you, the, the parents... Many of them are wonderful. We're specifically talking about the ones that struggle with being able to hold their kids accountable. Okay, let me tell you another story um, because this ties into some an email we're going to get into in just a minute. Uh, I had a, mo- a mom uh, of another older child, and uh, she came to me, and her child had been labeled a bully at school. And she was very concerned about this, and she wanted me to not mentor him as much as she wanted me to talk to him. And figure it out because and, and it was very obvious that her son had done nothing wrong. Okay. She was appalled that that he had been called this and it didn't seem to fit in what she had seen about him. And she was completely uh on her son's side and and to the point that she really wanted me to talk to him about um his self-esteem in regards to this. And and people, here's the deal about self-esteem. You know where self-esteem comes from and bad self-esteem comes from? Self-esteem comes from how you behave. If you're a bad kid who does bad things, you're going to have bad self-esteem. And if your parents are, are trying to build your self-esteem by telling you that your bad behavior is good and that you're okay in spite of it, it's going to cause the problem to get worse. So you help build good self-esteem by holding kids to good standards. Word to your mother. All right? But this kid, I, I I knew, first of all, I'm a children's pastor. I'm not a middle school pastor, okay? They have a youth ministry. I, I suggested to go there. She didn't want to hear anything about that. She figured the new guy might uh, be the one to go to. So I told her, I said, let me save some time because I, I, I honestly want to sit down with you and your husband and find out what's going on in your life um, that would cause him to think that he needs to use his size and his words to bully other kids. Well, no, no, you know, we're fine. Everything's great. It's, you know, you just need to sit down with him. Oh, oh, so you know, you know, I didn't say this, but I'm like, you, you know what, what, uh, what he needs. You know, why are you coming to me? But so I said, okay, well, here's what I'm going to tell him. Cause I'm going to tell him what I would, if you really want him in my office, here's, here's a shortcut to what I would say. I would look and I looked her in the face and I just said, stop it. Stop being this way. Stop it. Just stop using your words to hurt people. Stop using the size that God gave you to bully people. Because if you don't, we, and I said, I'm going to talk to him like he's my son. If he was my son, I would just say, if you do not stop, your life is going to get progressively worse until you decide that being nice to people is easier. 
than dealing with the crap that's going to go through your life. Just stop. Don't be stupid. Stop it. And I was a little more forceful. But could you imagine if your kid, if you'd been told that he was bullying other kids, what would you do? Oh, my gosh. Holy junk. The fire of heaven's coming down on that kid until he decides, you know what? I don't really enjoy being mean anymore. But I was supposed to build his self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from not being a bully. <laughs> uh, so I didn't have to. I didn't have to deal with that kid. I did not have to mentor that child because <laughs> really I needed to sit down with the parents, find out what was going on and why they weren't absolutely horrified that their kid was a bully. Well, fast forward a few more months and this same young man is, is uh, working in one of my ministries and he disrespects one of the adult leaders and he's a junior leader and he disrespects one of the older leaders and it it's something small. It's uh it's just you know in the South it's real important to to refer to people as sir and and Mister and Mrs and Commander if you're a Commander or whatever. And he didn't do that, and so the men kind of stepped up and said, "Okay, listen, stand up at attention, and and you know you can't talk to an adult this way. You're a kid." And he just got progressively worse and worse, partly out of embarrassment, but mostly out of a you know a just this disregard for um authority. You know, he's just not going to do it. He just sees himself as, you know, as big, like his, like his mother does. He's beyond reproach. And so they have his mom come get him. She does. Then of course the call comes later when she collects her thoughts. I need to sit down with, with you guys and figure out what this is. And in this time, I I, originally, I was going to talk with mom and then it hit me like, no, no, I, I'm going to do this one different. Okay. Cause I'd already dealt with mom once. I knew what the deal was. I wasn't going to change her or fix her. So I looked at the dude and I'm like, you know what I did? I told him, I said, you're a little old for your mom to have to come in and defend you. And I told him the speech about man being a man. I says, you know, being a man means owning up to what you did and facing up to it. And I said, there is not a man in this ministry that if you looked him in the face and said, you know what? I did do that. And I'm, I was wrong and I'm sorry. That wouldn't immediately forgive you and forget it. There's not one here that would not. That's how easy it can be, but you're going to have to humble yourself and you're going to have to do it for real because we're going to know if it's bull, you've got to be sorry. Well, I don't even remember doing that. I'm like, well, see, that's a problem because if you can't remember anything, that means you're not bright enough to be in my ministry. Because I need you to be able to remember what you did the week before, because what if something happens to a kid and I need a story on it and you don't remember? I said, so there's that problem. But I think I know, I think you know exactly what you did. And it's going to be very important that you do, because you're going to have to apologize for it if you want to work in here. So you tell me, I'm going to give you some time to think about it, but you tell me what you want to do. And uh, long story short, came back a half hour later. I said, so what are we going to do it? Or when when your mom gets here, can I tell her we've already taken care of it man to man? He goes, I'm willing to try to take care of it. So he he matured right there. Boom. He he became a little bit more of a man. He, he learned to respect authority a little bit because he couldn't run away from it. His mom couldn't save him. And this is a middle school kid now, granted. But I think every children's pastor deals probably more with middle school drama than we do elementary drama sometimes. So I pulled him, the commander, myself, 
and this guy that he disrespected into a room and I bragged on him. I said, you know what? I wouldn't even pull this if you were, if you were a loser kid. If I didn't look at you and see a bright future, if I didn't look at you and see you in your 20s and there's kids your age now that were looking up to you now and they wanted to be like you later on, if I didn't see all this potential, I would not even waste this. I would use it as an excuse to get rid of you. Finally, he screwed up and we can get him out of our ministry. So I want you to know that you're going to be embarrassed and you're going to be put down a little bit, but it's because we see so much potential and the other men are just nodding their heads. Absolutely. He's almost got tears in his eyes already. I said, so what I need you to do is I need you to own up to what you did. I need you to look him in the eyes and I need you to say sorry. And I guarantee you, he's going to meet you more than halfway. And he did. He, he I mean, started tearing up. He says, I'm sorry, uh, commander so-and-so. I, I disrespected you and, and it wasn't a big deal, but I made it a big deal and this, that, and the other. And he didn't use a bunch of excuses. He just flat out admitted it. And he changed, he jumped right into ministry that night, and things have been completely different. And have I talked to mom? No. No, I haven't. No. But James, doesn't it make you a hypocrite because this, that, and the other? I don't think so. Not not in this case. It's just another example. Sometimes you don't need to involve the parents. Because our goal in life is not to make our kids in our ministry uh, learn to be good. It's, it's our goal is to make them more Christ-like, and we can run the risk of, even if you involve parents, making them be good just from nine thirty to to noon, you know, for Sunday school and children's church, and then the rest of the month. But I'm guaranteeing you that respect that boy gained and that lesson he learned is something that's going to travel with him throughout his life. And I guarantee you, he went home and told his folks. And if they'd had a problem with it, believe me, I'd have heard about it. So how do you deal with overprotective parents? I, I'm just telling you again, lay down the law. It's your children's ministry. Um, get the support of your pastor. Let them know. I always call if there's a big issue. I say, pastor, I, I, I email him or text him or call him, leave a message. Pastor, so-and-so, I, I ticked off so-and-so, and, and here's what happened. Here's what you might hear, but this is what I actually did. And uh, I appreciate you getting my back. And half the time they won't even bother him. But if they do, at least it won't catch him off guard. He'll know the story and he'll be able to defend you and send them right back to you. And that's what I tell him, Pastor, send them back to me. That's the best thing you could do for me. Send them back to me and I'll take care of it. All right. Um, so thank you. If you have any input or ideas or feedback, you can always send that stuff to help. Uh, I'm a CP at gmail.com. Help. I'm a CP. I am a CP. Uh, at gmail.com, or you can call it in 2095NLCast. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash NLCast, or look up the Twitter on uh, helpimachildrenspastor.com. Let me read this from Mike real quick. Hi, James, I'm a youth minister. It may be different in kids' ministry, maybe not, though, but I get requests from probably two parents per week uh, for me to personally mentor their teenager. Obviously, I have a heart to minister to these teens, and I have a desire to mentor each one of them, but it isn't possible. I guess my question is, do you ever have anything similar happen to you? And if so, what do you do or what would you do to help parents feel like you're there for their kid without turning every day at the office into a nonstop counseling session? Thanks, Mike. Well, we do get that. It's funny because I get them... um, At my last church, you get them when they've already left your children's department... And then they're they're being bad, but they've got more of a uh, connection with you than they do their youth pastor because they started being bad. So they they come to you because parents know you and all this kind of stuff. And here's the deal. First of all, 
Um, if the kids need counseling, you refer them to a Christian counselor. We are not counselors. There's a limit to what we as children's pastors can do and youth pastors. We're not licensed to do this. We're not specially trained. And I can sit and pray with a kid. I can give them some obvious, you know, tips and tricks and, and obedience and moral, you know, this, that, and the other and pray with them. But if they have deep seated issues, that's not something I'm qualified to take on. And I'll be the first to admit that to a parent. And then secondly, parents, usually when they come to you, they have a preconceived idea of what you're going to say. And they want you to basically say what they would say, but they're too wimpy to say sometimes. And so like with the case with that lady in the hallway, I basically told her exactly what I was going to tell her son. And that's not what she wanted. And so she left. And I mean, she, she all of a sudden didn't want me to be her son's counselor. Now there was another situation with a young man recently he was having a real struggle in um, making the transition into sixth grade, not just in children's ministry, but also in you in uh, in school. And uh, I, you know, I sat down with him and I told her in advance, you know, this is going to be a two shot deal, one shot deal, whatever. But uh, I'm going to tell you for extended uh, counseling, you're going to need to talk to our on staff counselor. They can refer you to a children's counselor. You're going to want to go to your doctor, find out if he's got any kind of uh, chemical imbalance or stress disorder. You know, you can educate yourself and sound a little smarter than you actually are and refer these people. Okay. Um, Every parent that's worth their salt is praying right now, even before their kids become a teenager, they're praying, Lord, please give my kid people outside of my home, give my child people that will direct them down the straight and narrow path. Okay. Uh, I'm praying for that for my kids, especially since I'm, I'm going to be their pastor. I pray that there are other people that will influence my kids the way I influence other people's kids. You know what I'm saying? They need people outside of the people that have to love them to tell them the same things their parents are telling them. And so a lot of times these parents want you to be that person. And though you can't for every single person, you know, Jesus, what he had 12, out of all the thousands that followed him around, and he really only butted up to what, two? So even in that group, he had people really close that he connected with. You're going to have those kids that you really connect to and, and see a lot of, I don't know, you know what I'm talking about. For the rest of it, though, I would uh, spread it out. If you have children's workers and support staff, train those people up and teach them to become um, mentors and men, men. Yeah, I think it's the same for females, too. Mentors and mentettes. It's terrible. Uh, matadors and matarettes. Um, teach them. Teach them how to do it. Sit down and have a class with them. Tell them what you'd say and how you'd say it and what you'd do. And, and you know, and, and tell them. The first time something gets out of hand, refer them to me. You know, I don't want you to try to take on something, something, this, that, and the other. But, you know, get get other people involved in these kids' lives and, that, and duplicate yourself. It's a hard job. It's going to be harder than counseling model yourself originally. But your ministry will grow as a result. Uh, so, if I had to bullet list all of this out, I would say first of all, um, tell you know, understand that every parent wants um, somebody outside their family to mentor them. Two, you can't be that for every single person in your children's ministry. Um, three, uh, that that kids sometimes need more than what we can give them, but they come to us because we're free uh, and they trust us. So you can refer them to someone else and they can get what they need. Two uh, or four, if you do have counseling sessions with them, limit them right at the beginning and tell them, you know, we're going to knock this out in two. If we need more than two, then it's beyond what I can do, okay? I had a counseling session with a couple of twin boys a few years ago, and it was uh, they were dealing with some issues 
uh, about a divorce because daddy was saying one thing, making mommy the bad guy, even though he was the one that cheated and, and on and on and on. And my job was simply to, to tell them the truth. Mommy didn't want to. She couldn't do it. I did it for her. I told them, not that daddy was a bad guy, but he's the reason the family split up. Because I felt like it was very, very important for them to know this so that mommy wasn't the bad guy. She was actually the one that was offended, not the offender. Um, But I told her right at the beginning, I, this is not going to take me more than three shots. And if they need more than this, you're going to have to take them somewhere. And she was totally cool with that. And, and that way it wasn't a surprise. Um, but go ahead and give them all the disclaimers up front. Let them know. And, uh, and and if you feel like you need to run somebody off, do it. Do it. Like that lady that came to me, I knew what she wanted. I'm not going to be able to give you the satisfaction of telling your kid that they're a good person even when they're not a good person. So I'm going to tell you right up front, here's what I'm going to say. I'd rather offend her right up front and not have to deal with all the drama than, uh, than sit there and have to fake something. I don't know. I don't know. God, God directs me in different ways, and not that everything I do is God-blessed and breathed. I wish it was. But in, in the cases where I do come down hard, I really feel like I reserve those for when the Holy Spirit releases me to do that. And um, so it saves me a lot of trouble. It really does. Uh, I'd love to tell you some more stories on that, but uh, that, that'll finish us up for this week. I'll see you in a couple of weeks for another episode. Please do me a favor. Send your uh, feedback. Even if you've been listening to the show for a while, let me know what you're thinking. Help I'm a CP at gmail.com. 209-5NLCast is the phone number. And look it up on Twitter. You can look us on Facebook, too. We've got a Facebook page for Help I'm a Children's Pastor. Uh, do me a favor. If you're listening to us through iTunes, give me a review. And then consider telling somebody about the show. Till next time, this is James Kennison. This has been Help I'm a Children's Pastor, Episode 1. We'll see you guys next time. Right here. <laughs>